Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. So what explains the market turmoil in cryptocurrencies? Has the market reached a bottom? Is crypto still advancing despite market downturns if you take a long-term view? Earlier this week, the value of the cryptocurrency market fell below the key 1 trillion US dollar mark for the first time since January, reaching as low as 926 billion US dollars. And just yesterday, we saw Bitcoin falling about 8%, dropping below 20 putting it at about 67% below its all-time high in November last year when it was trading at around $69,000. Ether, the second most valuable digital coin, dropped 4%, taking its losses since Friday to about 32%. It has now lost about 75% of its value since November. And if things couldn't get any worse? Well, apparently it can for some exchanges and for traders. The Celsius Network, which has 1.7 million customers, said extreme market conditions forced it to temporarily halt all withdrawals, crypto swaps and transfers between accounts, leading to many questions about the infrastructure in the sector. Companies in the industry, exchanges like Coinbase and Gemini, startups like BlockFi and Crypto.com have also announced sweeping jobs. Cuts. So, how do we make sense of what's happening? Kishore M is the founder of Crowdfund Junction, and that connects early stage blockchain startups to a community of participants who are interested in their vetted DeFi, Web3, gaming, metaverse, NFT projects. Kishore started his career as a broker and then moved to start his own hedge fund right here in Singapore. Good morning, Kishore. Hi, good morning. All right. So New York Times says the music is over. The music has stopped for crypto. How do you explain the market turmoil? Well, let's look at the macro factors to start with, right? So we have like, you know, persisting high inflation, uh, rising interest rate, of course, the war in Ukraine. And then we look at the ban of crypto in China. That's at the macro side, right? Now let's move in straight into the crypto side of it. The recent as we see the depicting of USD, SDET, which is taking ETH, and of course now even USDD. And you just mentioned about Celsius pausing all account withdrawals and transfers. So all of this has basically, you know, people have lost interest and that made the crypto market, you know, or, or rather the trust, which has made the ready Bitcoin and the other cryptos plunge. But if you really go back and check in time, mm-hmm. you know, in 2013, 2016, 2018, there was a correction of up to 80, 85% in Bitcoin. And then from there, it again bounced back. So I think it's something which is cyclical. And these are actually opportunities for investors to go in and buy. So you don't think the pullback you know, shows how precarious this structure in the ecosystem is in terms of digital assets, but you think that this is sort of a phase, an unwinding perhaps of leverage in crypto markets? You know, the big difference is this time we have institutional investors who have actually heavily invested. So if you look at the previous time, it was more retail and it's more, I would say, leveraged and people were more into basically just trying to get a upside on the alpha on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But right now it's different. You know, we have a huge number of use cases in the crypto space, especially on the 
you know, the Ethereum blockchain and the other blockchains like Binance and, uh, and Polygon. So I think things have changed. Uh, people are moving from CFI to DeFi. So I think to 2021 onwards, I think there are much more use cases of crypto rather than just the reason for people to buy for speculation or speculative purposes. Okay, we'll talk about crypto as uh, and, and the use cases for crypto assets in just a while. But first, what are you going to be looking at to gauge if the crypto markets has reached a bottom? Okay, so technically, there, are, there can be a lot of ways to look at it, but mm-hmm. maybe just for the benefit of the audience, I would say technically, if you look back, you know, Bitcoin has always come to the 200 moving average, which is like more or less the support for Bitcoin to bottom out. But this time it has broken the 200 moving, BT moving average. And I think if it has to go and reach the 300 moving average, Bitcoin can go down to as low as 17,000. So I would say that would make Bitcoin, that would give it a 73 to 75% correction from its all-time high. And I think that could be a, a bottom out from what I think technically. All right. And I want to head back to that point that you mentioned trust is sort of waning in the market so do you why do you think crypto enthusiasm is waning and is this going to reinforce the cycle that we're seeing yes absolutely i mean in the sense that like i said you know uh, corporates are coming in and instead of people just looking at cryptos purely from a speculative point of view we are seeing more and more companies looking at crypto more from a point of view of a decentralized way, but at the same time, problem with decentralization is there is no real body to to hold on to to account for. Right. So right. I think DAOs are a great or a decentralized is a, is a great way of creating, but also we have to make sure that somebody has to be held responsible. Okay, let's take it to the personal. I mean, as someone who's invested in this space, built a business in this space, when markets go down, what do you feel and how do you keep your cool? <laughs> I would say the best <laughs> best way to stay invested is to uh, use a dollar cost averaging method where you kind of tend to just put aside a small amount of money or a sort of fixed amount of money every month. So it doesn't matter where it goes. If it goes down, you tend to buy more of those coins at a cheaper price. If it goes up, of course, you're buying less. So I think that's one of the best ways. I would say for somebody who wants like to begin in the space of crypto. I mean, are you looking at diversifying and heading back to CFI? You know, you mentioned you think there are investors that are doing that, looking away from DeFi to CFI. Would commodities be a better hedge? The CME group companies that are invested in these areas be a better hedge, do you think, in times like this? I guess I'm asking him whether you've lost faith in cryptocurrencies. Yeah, of course. You can't be putting everything into cryptos per se. Uh, so I think... A diversified portfolio, like some in stocks, some in ETFs or mutual funds, some in cryptos, some in commodities would be ideal. And if you want to go for something more exotic, then you could also look at derivatives. Do you think this crypto crisis suggests that guardrails are going to have to come up sooner rather than later when it comes to protecting individual investors? It's just a matter of time it's going to happen. And the regulators are already actually already started taking steps to make sure that the individual investors are protected. So I agree it is necessary. But at the same time, innovation cannot be regulated. Because at the end of the day, what are these coins? They're nothing but technology projects. Mm. So you cannot, you cannot look at it purely from a digital currency point of view. 
actually mm-hmm. most of the other than bitcoin mm-hmm. most of these projects are nothing but blockchain or decentralized technology companies Okay, let's talk a little bit about whether that has a future then. I mean, you mentioned use cases and in your opinion, those use cases have been growing uh, over time. But do you think that this plunge, whether it's Luna and it's PEG or stable coins showing that they're far from stable, does cryptocurrency have a future? And what is its use case now? Wasn't it supposed to be a good hedge, you know, so so that when we see a bear market, it was sort of gold, digital gold was what people were calling it, right? (laughs) Yeah, people were calling it digital gold, but think about it like this, right? I mean, 20 years back, if I told you that FANG, which is Facebook and Amazon and Netflix and Google, Mm -hmm. is going to be an alternative to, for example, the traditional uh, companies like Microsoft, right? So Microsoft was considered, as I would say, the bedrock of technology. And then people moved on to Web2. Now people are talking about Web3. It's just a matter of time where the acceptance will come, but it's not going to happen so soon. So Mm -hmm. these technologies are at the very early stage and there's bound to be a lot of shakeout. So I think it's not for everyone. It's for somebody who's having the appetite of risk. Mm. But again, you know, when you take risk, you have to make sure the returns is much higher compared to the risk you're taking on, let's say, traditional stock like, for example, McDonald's. So if you can't take the, like what Warren Buffett says, I can't digest the risk, which is why I take to McDonald's (laughs) and Coca-Cola rather than I invest in technology. So it's, it's, again, an individual thing. All right. And is that risk linked to whether or not this whole idea of the metaverse will work? See, metaverse, it is already going to happen, whether you like it or not. Everything is going to be, thanks to COVID, actually, people have moved online, right? Mm -hmm. So what is the next logical step after this? The next logical step is, why do I need to, for example, move out to, let's say, if I'm hungry, I want to kind of go to grab and order my meal. I want to be in my space Mm -hmm. and within my working space, let's say, I don't know whether you've noticed this, but in Japan, a lot of companies are now having meetings in Metaverse itself, right? Now, the question is, if let's say I'm hungry, I have to now exit from my Metaverse or my meeting, which is getting conducted in the Metaverse, and now I have to go and order from an app like a Grab. I don't have to do that. I can just be within my my meeting space Mm -hmm. and I could just order from there and by the click of a button, which is usually an NFT, I can order my food and the Grab will deliver it. So this is going to be the future. We don't have to leave unless and until we are going to sleep. That's the only time we'll be out of the metaverse. And it said that the blockchain is going to sort of be the infrastructure of the metaverse. And do you see cryptocurrencies, the ones that survived this, this phase, as also essential to enabling these transactions that you're talking about in the metaverse? Absolutely. The entire metaverse is like this, right? Mm-hmm. If I have to transact, I'm in Singapore, correct? If I want to buy something which is available in the U.S., I'm not going to go and exchange my Singapore dollar to U.S. dollar, right? What I need is a currency which I can use irrespective of where I am. And which is that one currency which I think people can use? To my knowledge, the best I can think, if you're looking at at something which is stable, will be something like USDC or USDT. But if you're looking for something which is maybe a little bit of a currency, yet at the same time you get the benefit of appreciation, then I think that's Bitcoin. So metaverse is something which I don't care where I am. I have one common currency. I don't want to move from 
my fiat currency exchange it go to another currency that's too much for somebody to do so i think metaverse is the key for uh, digital currency is the key is the currency for the metaverse um what do you see in terms we know small players are losing faith in crypto after the sell off um do you see a significant tide moving back to centralized finance or cfi instead of decentralized finance a very good question actually centralized finance definitely plays a very very important role but at the same time i feel that defi will address the unbank because as we all know that the unbanked population in the world is in billions um i think defi is addressing that audience or will address that audience those who are looking to i mean of course this downpour of cryptocurrency prices will definitely make people rethink and come back to cfi but i guess now all defi platforms will start giving some realistic returns because the returns they were offering was like crazy like 50% apr or 100% APY whereas banks were offering anywhere between 1 to 2%. So you can just look at the difference. So I guess the leverage or the returns which was coming from leverage is something which is going to kind of change after this bear market. So I was interested in speaking with you because I know that you're um you know you're big in this NFT space. And what do you see as the role of NFT in an investor's portfolio in times like this? Do you believe it can be a hedge against falls in the crypto space? Yep. The numbers tell that. So if you look at the first quarter of this year, NFT market was bearish as we all know and it did hit the nft so called collections there was a drop in collections there was a drop in price flow price as well but in the second quarter it again picked up so i would say that nft somehow has been i would not call it like a hedge hmm. but somehow it has been able to weather the storm and people find that nfts is a you see unlike tokens where you buy a token you immediately want to sell them or you expect the price to go up but with nfts it's more offer it's like an asset so it's like i can compare nfts is to be like property and tokens to be like stocks so every time you buy a property you don't go around asking the price of your property oh what is it today what is it tomorrow you really don't do that with properties it's the same with nfts but with stocks we do that we tend to look at the price of amazon or facebook every alternate days it's the same thing is the case with i would say fungible tokens versus non fungible tokens and then again now nfts has a lot of use cases you know you can use it for provenance you can use it for ticketing you can use it for music you can, i mean there's so many use cases of nft the whole ecosystem of nfts has grown over the last one year and you've seen trading volumes in nft sort of going in the opposite direction as crypto markets tank i think nft volume is going to go up because what has happened is bitcoins i mean let's say bitcoin and all coins as as a as a total has has been going down people are losing trust with stable coins so where do i move my money i need to park my money somewhere right stock market is also going down so where do i park my money i'll park my money in nfts because that's the space where we see the prices is not going in the opposite direction so a lot of people are shifting their money from i would say fungible tokens to non fungible tokens non-fungible tokens okay i see on your linkedin you say every business and idea can become an nft can you help us understand the link between that and you know possibly 
cryptocurrencies? I mean, what sort of applications are companies building using the different cryptocurrencies? You know, whether it's Ethereum or other platforms. So let me give you two very simple applications. Number one is I have a gym membership right now. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I moved places because of COVID. And that gym membership is of no use to me because I'm no longer in that location. Imagine if I had the NFT of my membership, I could have sold my NFT. So the ownership gets transferred to somebody else. He can start using those gym memberships. And the owner of the gym member gets a royalty on it. So there are two benefits with an NFT. One is ownership and you can transfer the ownership and second is the royalty which the creator earns or the in this case the gym owner the second very good use case is in-game nft assets so for example you know my daughter used to play games when she was 10 years and now she's 15 so she's kind of outgrown those games right but those games she has made a lot of points her level of gaming has gone up but all that is gone because she has lost interest in gaming Imagine if those games, let's say Minecraft, was an NFT. She could have actually sold her NFT when she's 15 years old. And the last five years that she has created so much of levels or points because of her passion about gaming, she could have sold those NFTs at a very, very good price. Or she could have just rented those NFTs and whoever is now age 10 could play with her avatar and she could be you know, co-sharing in the revenue. So I think these are something which is making NFTs very popular. One is the ownership and second is the royalty. Are they built though on some sort of decentralized software platform uh, like Ethereum or do they not depend on Ethereum? Because I think that was part of the argument for why Ethereum was seen as uh, something that had possible room for price ascension, open source, decentralized, underlying smart contract, programmable computer language. So these NFTs that you're talking about, what is the blockchain that they're going to have to be built on or depend on? Essentially, you have to understand that Bitcoin is actually blockchain 1.0, and which is digital currency, and Ethereum is basically blockchain 2.0. In other words, we call them as smart contract technology, allowing people to build basically dApps or decentralized apps is built on it, mm -hmm. right? So NFT is nothing but an app. So it's a token mm -hmm. which needs to be on something. For example, if I say Gmail, for Gmail to work, you need to have Google. Right. Otherwise, it cannot work, right? It's the same way. For any NFT to work, you need to have the underlying so-called layer one, which is the Ethereum. Now, of course, there are NFTs now also getting built on Solana. NFTs built on Polygon. NFTs built on Avalanche. But I think still the number one is Ethereum. All right. Before we let you go, tell us, when it comes to recovery, are you looking at crypto stocks and how they perform? Or are you looking at uh, the granddaddy of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, in terms of markers for recovery? So I feel that if you go back in the past and you check, every time Bitcoin has plunged and uh, the recovery is usually Bitcoin tends to go sideways for a while. But during that time, all coins tend to uh, bounce back faster. So I think if you look at certain, again, this is not a recommendation. These are just observations. You will look at certain large cap coins, crypto coins, such as Polygon, which is Matic. And then we have Polkadot, Solana, BME, Cardano. So uh, you can just look at the top 10 market capitalization uh, crypto coins as an alternative to Bitcoin. Because Bitcoins to a lot of people can still be expensive at the levels they are right now at 20,000 plus. Hmm. But these other coins are like, you know, uh, some of them are even less than $10. So it's something which somebody may want to kind of consider. Alternatively, one can just buy uh, crypto stocks, 
or even there are ETFs, crypto ETFs, which one could uh, invest in. So during the NBA game this Monday, Monday night, Coinbase, known for its provocative advertisements, aired a commercial, you know, alluding to the boom and bust cycles of crypto. It said, crypto is dead, long live crypto. Very cryptic, right? So what? how long do you expect this crypto winter to last? So if you look at the uh, risk reward, I think there's more of upside and less of downside. I'm not saying this is the like the bare bottom, but all I'm saying is in terms of risk reward, we are already down by 60 over percent, another maybe 10, 15%. Like I said, at 17K, we, or at least I think, which is where it hits the, the moving average. And that's when I think potentially it could be a turning point for Bitcoin. All right, we'll look out for that. Thank you for your insights, Kishore. Welcome. Kishore M is founder of Crowd Fund Junction. Joining me this morning as we look at the turmoil in crypto markets. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.